Hello everyone, welcome to the Changemakers podcast. In 2017, I started interviewing people driven to create a positive impact in their communities and the world. I call them Changemakers, and as I found out, they are everywhere. They come in different shapes and sizes and have amazing and diverse backgrounds. This series of interviews has the aim to inspire you with interesting stories and give you some practical piece of advice, so if you are enjoying these discussions, make sure to follow this channel where I will be adding a new podcast every other week. If you consider yourself a change maker or if you have someone in your network that you believe is a change maker, please get in touch with me and let's start a conversation. We need to iterate our career several times. We need to learn and adjust ourselves to meet the needs of the changing environment. This is the underlying topic of today's podcast, an interview with Diego Centurion, whom I met in Berlin while searching for my next step in life, and I couldn't have met him at a better time. He shared with me his own life path that took him on four continents and in very different professional roles, which in essence made him develop a more independent attitude towards his career. Listen to this episode if you are interested in the future of work, the importance of career iterations and introspection, the necessity to adapt to the changing environment, and the shift from knowledge as a currency to the ability of repackaging your own skills. Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. I think it's a very inspiring project. Um, my name is Diego, Diego Centurion, uh, from Peru. And... Um, I've been in Germany for about eight or nine months now. Uh, prior to that, I spent five years in Asia, uh, between Singapore and Beijing. And before that, I've uh, lived in a number of different countries in Europe and Latin America, in North America as well. Um, so, well, jumping into it. <laughs> by background, I'm a, I'm a social scientist. I'm an anthropologist by training. Um, but even though my initial work experience was in the field of development with the United Nations, um, I quickly transitioned into um, private sector roles. I started up working in sustainability afterwards, and then I ended up uh, in uh, business support functions in the financial industry, where I worked for a number of years um, in Amsterdam, Singapore, and Hong Kong. So that uh, was very useful. For a while, I think I, I like having sailed across the occupational spectrum, so to say. I think I find that um, I found that to be very, very insightful, very educational experience. But I think in the way, I also um, lost sight of it, of um, what had eventually led me to pursue social science studies and, and even have interest in in uh, development. Uh, and that's something I'm trying to reconnect with now. Um, I believe um, I believe careers should have many iterations. I think the times um, of um, having one single career for one's lifetime are, are over. I no longer adjust to the reality. So the next iteration of my career is an attempt to um, bring the fields, integrate the fields that I've been working in in the past. So bringing sustainability, bringing my business acumen. Um, and try to, to find something in there that can be both a good enterprise, profitable, but at the same time um, have an impact, a positive impact, right? So that's, that's where I am right now. Uh, going back in time, uh, yes. why did you choose to study anthropology to start with? 
if there was Ooh. a why. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly there. there I, I, I think you know it's it's, it's a, I, I call it a it's a good conversation starter, most of the time, especially in, in, in circles that are um, far apart from social science or academia. It's, it's, it's a good conversation starter because it's just not that common. But uh, it, it's a fabulous discipline. It's, it's fascinating, and I was drawn by primarily my interest in understanding the, the human psyche. I think that's 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 been a, a lifelong interest of mine. And, and anthropology offers a great deal of tools to dive into power relations, understand um, the logic behind uh, hierarchies, behind um, behaviors, right? Social arrangements, and so on. So that that I found um, I found this extremely uh, attractive about the discipline, and um, I think it also endows one with the number of. Um, skills that have to do with observation, that have to do with diagnosing uh, what's going on within a certain dynamic, in a certain environment, such as an organization, for example. So, um, going back to your question, I think it's just, in essence, sheer curiosity for why that makes people tick. Why did you choose, after your studies, to, to go for the UN? Why United Nations? Well, it was it was not after my studies. As a matter of fact, I started working for them during my studies in the summer before graduation. This was 2006 um, that I had the chance to intern in Geneva uh, with the um, ILO, which is a specialist agency uh, that advocates for decent labor practices. Um, and then I carried on a, a consultant relation with them. Um, why? Because... Um, well, first of all, the opportunity arose, that's important, but I felt like that was a good vehicle for uh, me to understand what uh, an organization that has a mandate like the UN has, which is um, to safeguard, um, to, do, to advance uh, prosperity, to, to safeguard um, collective interests among nations, how they operate, right? I thought it would be good insight. Um, so that's, that's what drove me there, in that was a really exciting period. Then you switch to the private sector. <laughs> Gradually, I think Gradually. one thing that um, that that led that prompted me to do that was, of course, the time frame. Right, I think um, this was early in my twenties. I, I had the chance to do this when I was twenty-one or twenty. Um, so, so I was fortunate in that sense because I was working with with much more qualified people than myself, um, much older as well, and much more experienced, and. Um, at the same time, I, I felt like I wasn't ready just yet to make a call on what line of work I wanted to stick to, right? And I think that was a good thing. Um, I was just simply curious to try out more, more fields, right? Um, so um, I think what, uh, what, what happened, what fueled this transition was from the one hand realizing that um, as, as much as there are many good people within the UN system, um, there are also a lot of practical constraints, right? It's of course a very political animal, um, somewhat slow and thwarted um, a bit by bureaucracy, right? Like, like many organizations are. And um, as a young idealistic person, I thought I wanted more than that. And, and I saw that during my time at, at, at Yale, actually, I saw that uh, the private sector has a lot more 
there's been a power shift, right? And, and power has, shift, has shifted from the hands of the government to the hands of private companies, particularly multinationals. So I saw that as a more powerful driver for change, right? A more powerful driver. So I start steering towards the private sector environment because I thought these people have a skin in the game. Because in the end, you know, there's only so much you can do in an advisory position, right? Um, but uh, in the end, it's, it's companies. And it, it, back then, I thought it was multinationals that have a real, um, you know, the, the actual opportunity to enact lasting change. So I thought, okay, I'm going to switch my attention now to the private sector. And that's it. Uh, did your assumption actually fulfill that? Are these private companies uh, indeed drivers for change, and do they actually use their power to drive positive change? In part, it did. I mean, I think I think they are. You know, like I think the assumption itself was was, was not misguided. They they certainly are uh, positioned, and, and and many of them have actually done remarkable things. You have plenty of examples of companies, um, not just going the extra mile. Mild, but, but fundamentally changing the way they operate to be better neighbors, right? And, and, and give back to the communities they operate and also uh, reflect those values internally, right? Um, so the assumption itself, I don't think it's wrong. I think, I think companies are positioned to do a lot of good in the world, large companies, right? I'm thinking the, 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 the big, um, big names in multinationals. Now, whether they do it or not, that's, that's a different thing, right? I think that has to do more, not so much with their ability, because the ability is there. Um, you know, their companies, um, their companies that are, you know, bigger than uh, the economies of small countries, right? Those balance sheets are bigger. So, I mean, they, they, there are resources, and, and there is definitely, you know, strong presence. I mean, you do find uh, corporations that are, uh, able to marshal uh, resources in, in, in extremely efficient ways, right? Um, it, it, I think um, why we might not see this happening as much as we would hope has to do with a bit the, um, the environment, the, the incentives, um, and also the mindset, right? I think, I think we're at a time in which you know, the, the, the needle is barely moving in terms of understanding a social mandate, right? So, so for a very long time, I think um, you know the dominant paradigm has been uh, maximizing shareholder value, right? And it's just been pure profit seeking, and there are people that now advocate for that. Um, and, and it's not an argument that's unsound. Huh? Um, you you can make the case for that, but. Um, it's not unsound, but I think it, 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 it's also not sustainable, right, for, for their own purposes. So, so I think only, only now you are seeing maybe a little more um, openness towards embracing, towards integrating more, more than just um, the pursuit of profit. You know? and, and, but it's, it's, it's an uphill battle, of course, you know, like change is not easy. Um, so, so let's, you know, we can just hope for the best, but then again, it's a very complicated environment. Yeah, so, as you were saying, seeking only profit is not sustainable uh, anymore. Uh, why is that, and 
I mean, within companies, there is the corporate social responsibility. Where do you think, where does this come from, and why more and more companies are actually um, adopting and implementing CSR practices? Well, the thing is, see, okay, let, let, let's get a couple of things clear here. It's, it is sustainable until it's not, right? <laughs> and, um, and, and, and for, for many, you know, that's, that's uh, as long as you don't, as long as you don't hit a roadblock, there is really not need to change the, 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 the status quo, right? Um, so, so I think um, when you do see companies uh, changing the way they operate, right, to be better neighbors, to have uh, fair uh, supply chain management uh, practices and so on, um, you see, you see a long-term vision, right? And 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 um, I think, I think um, many times what you what you find is that um, as long as there is no um, no pressing reason to change the way things are, right? Um, then 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 it becomes secondary, right? Um, sorry, refresh your question. Refresh me your question again. I got I drift off a little. Um, yeah, my question was, uh, why do you think more and more companies are kind of implementing sustainable practices and sustainability is kind of on everyone's agenda? Is it just the new buzzword and it's kind of, you know... I think it's been the new buzzword for a number of years, you know, like um, 10 plus, I would say. I mean, it, it's been around for a while and it's become another function that you have, right? Um, but the you know the thing is, I mean, there's a number of there a number of issues there right now. I'm by no means an expert. I'm, I'm just reflecting my own opinion, right? Which um, is hopefully moderately informed. But um, so so what what I see is that uh, there are many ways in which this um, can miss the point. One one of them is, um, for example, when you standardize uh, CSR. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, because when you standardize something, you make an ISO type of a standard for something, then it becomes a checklist, right? And, and then you just want that badge of honor that you're compliant to ISO 26000, for example, right? And, and, and then I, I, I don't find that uh, A to be very genuine. It's just really more an industry-wide move, right? To just find a new find a new a, a new a new um say says a new indicator for you know your performance and safeguard your reputation. So that's that's one and I'm not a big fan of a standardization. The second one is that it can, it's, it's very prone to be misunderstood as a PR stunt. Right? Um, and, and you find that for example a lot of um, a lot of uh, companies in the extraction sect in the in the extraction sector, right? Like let's say timber Mining, right? Uh, uh, many of them have to operate in really remote corners of the earth, right? And, and the conditions are not easy. But but you see that uh, you know for for a long time uh, you, you've seen cases of you know like we're gonna set up a mining operation here, um, we'll build a school, right? Or we will give away this or that, and, and you know it's a small sort of fix, but the trade-off is actually huge, you know because uh, I would rather 
not see not see something tangible that's going to mitigate um, you know very small needs right um, let's say in a village but rather see a more comprehensive approach to mitigating you know like a social impact and environmental impact so it's it's very prone to just be a PR stunt and, and, and I think we've seen cases of that right look at who we are right look how good we are we're giving back and so on but that, that's the problem when you externalize it I think the moment you take it as an external thing right as an, as an addition or an appendix to marketing for example then then, then I think it, it loses it loses value right I, I think true CSR can be a good management tool can be you know it can make business sense if it's incorporated right and, and if it permeates every layer of the organization and it really cuts through what they do what their core business operations are um, it, but then A that, that's difficult to implement and, and, and of course there is a lot of pushback there not everybody thinks like that and of course the incentives you know people who get to the top within a corporation usually are those who have internalized the the paradigm, right? Which which is something that is contrary, I think, to to what you need in order to to truly become um, to truly incorporate CSR principles, right? So I think I think really that's what you see. You see just more like an externalization of, of what it is, um, right? You, you see this a lot in China. I would venture to say um, it's very transactional, right? You allow me to take your resources. And here's a couple of you know small material things, right? Um, so this in South America as well, right? Uh, many times it's even like a shield, right? It's like you know we're going to do something that could be seen as questionable, but in the meantime we're also going to do a few good things, right? So hey, we're not that bad, right? We're we're not that what we're doing, right? We're you know these and prices and so on, and so 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 it. It can be misused. That's 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 the. But I think it's that's not inherently. Um, it's not inherently bad about CSR. I think it's just kind of well, you know, when there's a new concept, you have multiple ways of applying it, right? And and, and not everybody's going to be in agreement. Um, so that's one. Yeah. And, and and then obviously you know, mm. failure to to uh, incorporate it internally. Mm -hmm. um, working in the UN. In the private sector, uh, how do you think you start changing mindset, changing behavior? How do you start motivating companies or international organizations? You know, we need to implement this, or we need to change that. I think at a, at a let's let's put this in a context of a micro level and a macro level, right? I think at a micro level, um, you know, is is just simply by you know bring, bringing up the the. the Bringing up the right topics, just simply out of you know fomenting a new culture within the smallest ecosystem that's around you, that that's already important. I think, right? Like if people see that, if your coworkers see what what you know what you care about and, and, and what you think should be the agenda, right? Th those are small things that, that will eventually help change mindsets, right? And then at a, at a bigger scale. Um, Change is just very slow, right? And, and, and um, this doesn't make it any easier for a lot of companies, right? That's, that's the truth. It implies a fundamental change in the way 
they operate, right? So, so it's not easy, it's not easy to push. I, I would say, how do you promote change? I would say results. Results are really important to, to promote change, right? If you can show, you know, just to, to, to get a little more operational, to get just a bit more into the language of, of, um, of you know, business, um, if you can show results by uh, incorporating certain practices, right? Let's say, let's take HR, for example, right? Let's say you want to become an employer of choice, right? You, you, you want to embrace diversity and inclusion as a value. You want to reflect the population that uh, you serve, right? Um, and then if you, can, if you can show that, hey, that's not just good for our reputation, which is a strengthened, but it's also good for our bottom line. Right, we, we uh, harness more talent, we attract better talent, they stay longer with us, right? Because um, not, only, not only do we give equal opportunity, but you know, we train people, we um, promote them, right? Uh, we are uh, aligned with, um, you know, like merit-based um, promotion, merit-based advancement, then and you, can, you can translate all that into, into figures and you can show how that makes Good business sense is just not being altruistic. It's not just being a do-gooder. Um, then I, th I think then that's that's powerful, right? And I think really that's what it should uh, aim for. You know, like I think uh, um, in the end, you know, talk is talk is cheap. And I think if the moment you can you can show results, um, then then that's that's a huge uh, change motivator. Um, going back a little bit mm -hmm. to your background, right? Sure. Um, how do you think all these experiences of living on four continents? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, how how did they shape who you are? And yeah, basically, do you think it's also important for a change maker to experience different different backgrounds? It's two questions actually. <laughs> right. Okay. So so so. First of all, let me recap more or less. I don't think I made it sufficiently clear at the beginning. Just just more or less what my journey has been in just a few words, right? So I'm born and raised in Peru. Um, I had the chance to um, get access to very good education, I, not only in Peru, but also um, in the US and, 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 and then uh, the Netherlands, where I did my undergraduate. Um, after working in Geneva for a while, I moved to the private sector, started working in Amsterdam, right? I, that's when I joined Heineken, maybe never. Eventually moved back to Latin America for a couple of years, and then um, after my business degree um, in the UK, I moved to Asia for five years. And that's kind of more or less the progression, just for you to have a <laughs> and, and you know like a more linear understanding, right? I, I tend to just kind of cover bits, but maybe it's not clear for all. But anyway, so so all of that, yes, it's been a lot of moving around, and it's been great. You know, I think I contextualize it in in. In, in terms of, you know, like in a timeline, right? I think uh, for, for myself, that's something I've always had very close to, to my heart. You know, your 20s are, you should be a sponge, right? You're, you're basically on a sponge, right? Like you should soak in as much as you can, and, and that's what I did, right? I, I think I was trying to just, um, you know, not only in terms of locations, but in terms of like what to do, right? Like all these switches, right? Like going from, um, from, from human work to private sector, right? Then eventually, you know, joining smaller companies, doing 
um, research for a business school in Burmeston. I think I think they, you know, they, they broaden your your horizon, right? So so now, how does this tie in with with your question about about change makers and whether that is uh, important, right? I think it's important to have to broaden your your exposure, right? Because I think change rarely happens, or there is hardly a trigger for change when your vision of, of, of the world is very narrow, right? Um, you don't you don't need to travel the world to to, to you know to, to broaden your vision. You, you just need to I think experience more things, right? And, and that's something that you know, as long as you can seek for the opportunity, I mean it's there. So I think only by you know experiencing multiple multiple um, industries by 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 you know working in different roles different locations if possible um, then then you get a more comprehensive picture of how things work and, and more importantly rather than just simply knowing how things work you can always be wrong <laughs> um, just what is good for you right well what's, what's good for yourself where you feel like your, your biggest calling comes from and um, and then you'll that, that's where you think in my case at least that that's where you see where where the gaps are right you see where the gaps are you see where things are maybe like not thought out as you would think they are or you hope they are right because um, as it turns out I think like it's we just or at least I you know like 10 years ago you, I tend to rely you know things are already pretty much figured out in the world right like they are really smart people doing really interesting things and, and really cool things already for a number of years I'm pretty sure you know the, 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 the foundations are pretty rock solid but you realize that they're not right that there is still a lot um, a lot of uh, unexpected, a lot of unexpected things happening, a lot of volatility in financial markets, for example, right? So, so not everything is, is set in stone, right? Not, not everything is, is being looked after and, and there are no, not enough connections, right? And I think by experiencing, um, you know, a larger number of, you know, like just accruing or sorting uh, or, or by accruing a number, a larger number of experiences, then, then that is when you, you're you know, you're, you're able to, to see the bigger picture, right? See where the gaps are. So I think that is really important. Um, from, from my experience, right, I mean, you can certainly come up with many other ways in which people see the opportunity for change, right? And, and that is equally valid. But I'm saying from, from my experience, um, it's come from there. Um, relating to that, also you were saying before that... Um it's very important now to iterate your career several mm -hmm. times. Uh, why do you think now it's more important than ever to do these iterations? Well, the thing is, you know, I tend to think that when you know when my parents are, are, were growing up, right, uh, the, the her expectation was very different. Um, it was all about you know like getting a good job and stay there, right, and become. A solid presence in that role, provide for a family, right? Uh, there was really not much interest in moving in, in around. There was um, really it was all about a pursuit of security, right? which is important. Um, but not only do we have more opportunities now, I think precisely because there's been that effort made, right? Because there's been this this pursuit of security that has allowed for you know younger generations to to, to explore and and. and Experiment a bit more, not only because of that, but also because the the the, the labor market is undergoing transformation, right? 
I think even if you want it, just a very steady path, like people did 30 years ago, 25 years ago, is no longer, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's there anymore. You know what, because, you know, things change way too fast, right? Like uh, roles become uh, obsolete, skills need to be, um, you know, to be relearned, right? There are always new things coming out. I think like the pace of change right now is accelerating um, transformation in the workplace. Uh, the skills that are needed today uh, are most certainly not going to be the ones needed in 10 years, right? Like, you just think of, you know, what, what the type of positions you, you found like 10 years ago. I mean, you know, social media manager did not exist, for example, right? Like that, that's one, just, just to give you like a small kind of um, anecdotal example, right? But we are in, in a state of flux now more than ever in terms of work, right? Foundations of, of, of the of um, what it means to, to be employed, to, to, to work, right, and earn a living are, are just are just very are just undergoing a lot of change, right? Gig economy, you have a lot more um, you know, the rise of um, of the on-demand labor, on-demand labor, right? I mean there's all, all the things that really modify the, the landscape. So you know that's that's why I think iterations are important. Because you need to adapt. You need to stay relevant. Right. In order to stay relevant, you, you need to retrain, right? Um, and, and perhaps even, even make bold moves, which 25 years ago, 30 years ago, was viewed as extremely risky and, and maybe just um, downright um, irresponsible, right? I think now it's just more a, a matter of, of, uh, of necessity, right? And you need to be able to, to be somewhat malleable. You need to be a little more open of leaving what you know behind and start start different start new put your new business line or you know, repackage your skills into 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 something else and, and, and so that you can you can transfer all that knowledge right um, yeah the conditions are, are simply not the same right I think that's uh, why and and but you know it's, it's not just you know, I don't want to you know sound too dramatic with it because it's it is difficult, I think, right? It's putting on us, uh, and I'm talking about us as our generation, like a, definitely an, an, an extra hurdle. But it's it's also relieving us, relieving us from, you know, having to make a choice that's going to determine your life at age 18 or 17. You know, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's that in itself is, you know, it's a pretty, uh, risky bet, right? I mean, what, how do you know that, you know, what you think you like at age 17 or 18 is what you're going to like when you are 30 or what's going to, not even like, but fulfill you professionally, right? When you're 40 or 50. I mean, that's been the, the dominant model, right? You choose something when you don't know anything about the labor force, right? Or how the world works. You don't even know much about your own skills. Right, you, you know a few things. You maybe know what you like and so on, but you have had very little opportunity to explore what your skills can be, where it can be applied, and then you have to make a call with very little tools. Right, you, you, you've had very little visibility as to what you know, the future can, can offer you, and yet this decision will stick with you forever. And I think I think um, it's a good thing that we are leaving that behind. Right, um, 
because as, as much as yes, there is there is a matter of uh, of necessity to to be to stay relevant and and to be flexible, right? Remain resilient. As at the same time, it's it also presents a host of opportunities, right? You can have more ownership over your career. You can make switches. You can repackage your skills that you can enter into new industries, right? Um, for whatever sake, not just for experimenting, but you know maybe where the new opportunities are. Whatever your drive is, I think this is an enabler, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that in order to make these mm-hmm. iterations and to switch, uh, you need to be quite self-aware of yourself and what your strengths and skills are currently and where do you want to go. Uh, from your personal experience, how did you practice this self-awareness or like how did you reflect on you know, different experiences and kind of connected the dots and was able to repackage yourself? It's, it's not an easy task, you know. I mean, I think uh, um, it's, it's certainly not an easy task uh, because we are wired, I would say we're wired to resist change, right? So the moment you develop a certain expertise, you become good at something. Um, there is no more big surprises in a specific field, right, or, or a line of work. It's really difficult, and it becomes increasingly difficult in time for you to be willing to make uh, make a change, right? Case in point, um, you will earn more. There's going to be more for you to lose, right? There's going to be a lot more um, at stake there. And, you know, the longer you stay, the, the, the more benefits you have at a given job, right? Company compensation is higher, and so so you're will think it twice, and and of course you know the moment you have a family, it's a whole different, a whole different ballgame, right? So so it's not just lack of self awareness. Many times it's just the situation you're in, right? You're in a position that you need to provide. It's going to be very difficult to think about experimenting itself, right? Um, so so. Um, it's it's it is it is a, it's a difficult thing for for me. It's, uh, it's been um, I I would say through these opportunities to, to explore different fields, right? Like such as uh, the United Nations system, such as uh, the financial um, financial sector, financial industry, um, large companies, and so on. Like having explored a number of things, right, and and, and working number of environments. Um, that that I think has has led me to um, be a little more independent on the way I view um, on the, the way I view careers. Right? Um, there is certainly an element of, of risk, right, uh, in choosing to have an exiteration because you are effectively leaving behind something that was comfortable. You're given the known for the known, right? Um, for for me, it's it's really a it's, it's a matter of um, I don't know how to phrase this. The moment you I look back, right, at this assortment of uh, apparently disconnected um, set of experiences, right? Um, 
that's 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 when I that's when I realize what yet hasn't been uh, what what where the areas where my profile can be valued, right? So it's, it's more like looking back. There's a lot of reflection in this process, right? It's, it's, it's a lot of, as, as you say, you need to practice some self-awareness as to what you bring to the table, not just in terms of technical knowledge, but also in terms of um, soft skills, also in terms of um, you know, what, what your interests are. Um, and it is a very challenging process, and, and, and there is no warranty of success either, right? So, so it, it's a slow process, right? It's, it's a slow process. I think you, you can be guided by interest, uh, you know, hear, hear stories of people who have been, you know, like 10, 20 years in, 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 in the same, um, um, the same function, so to say, um, and then they just retrain maybe because they had like a really um, deep passion for, let's say, psychology, right? That, that's, um, for example, that's, that's another, um, that's, that's different from, from what I'm trying to convey here, right? Like sometimes you just kind of, you, you just always have this passion and you decide to give it a shot. That's fair. But um, I think in, in my case, it's more about looking at uh, the past, reflecting on, on, on my own strength and skills, that's finding when the gaps, where the gaps are and trying to make a space there for myself. Testing, right? Um, it's a bit of like trial and error, and then you know when when you're able to when you have sufficient information to make a call, when you have sufficient information to sort of decide whether it's the right thing for you to then 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 jump on it, right? Then then you can start progressively moving towards that. Yeah. Um, still on the career topic mm-hmm. um, because career is becoming more fluid. Let's say and you should do these situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is ahead of us? say next five to ten years what do you think the future of work is going to look like well I don't think I can answer that but what I can tell you though <laughs> um, is that much of, much of what is, is taught today um, despite the best intentions uh, is, is simply not going to be as relevant anymore right um, and and Primarily, the, 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 the one thing that's going to give you the chance to remain relevant will be your ability to um, morph, right? Your ability to, to adjust to different circumstances. I, I find that, you know, there's a rise in independent work. A lot of people choosing to freelance. A lot of people working in demand. Um, I think that gives you a lot more ownership of your work, but at the same time, it also makes you more vulnerable, right? There's a lot of situations that are contradictory. Like, sure, you are more, you're the owner, you're your own boss, right? You're, 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 you, you have more ownership over your work, but at the same time, you are in, a, in some cases, a very precarious position when it comes to negotiating, when it comes to, to um, demanding things from an employer, right? Because there are many providers in the end, you know, they, and, and, and you're just one more option. So it's, it's, it's full of, you know, contradictory um, aspects as well. So I, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I think when you're with, you know, we'll see within the next, you know, five, ten years uh, is uh, maybe, maybe, a, maybe, maybe perhaps a, a move 
further away from knowledge as the currency, right? Rather than um, just simply the, the ability to to reinvent yourself, because I think there is already there is a lot of knowledge out there, right? I don't think for 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 anyone it's difficult to access um, knowledge anymore, right? You can roll you know like courses you can you can browse through the the, the, the content of an MIT or UPenn course within minutes, right? Like you can have that accessible. It's it's so I don't think the, the, the focus on knowledge will, will be as relevant um, because it will be there, it will be equally accessible for someone in Berlin or for someone in Peru or someone in China like the, the physical barriers are being removed right? Um, it, it will just really become about um, do you have what it takes to adjust to the constant changes right? to adjust to um, an aging population to adjust to new industries, to adjust to um, or dying industries even, right? So 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 will you able to, to make that switch? Yeah. How would you define a change maker? <laughs> you know, I've never really given it that much thought to be honest. Huh? <laughs> I, I like I like I mean I like the ring of it, but <laughs> um, you know see it's a buzzword out there that I think you know can be can be loosely defined and, and it doesn't you know what doesn't need to be you know featured on, on, on you know like on some on some important website or something to be a change maker. I think I think that the main trait of a change maker is being able to have the courage not to just follow, right? And, and I really want to be more specific here because, you know, I, I, um, I don't want this just to sound as a platitude, but in, it, would, it would be all too easy to just follow the flock, right? In every regard, really, right? In, in you know, career-wise, where you would depend, even wherever you are, right? Like for, for some, there is, you will find established paths no matter where you look. Right? Where are you going to go into finance? Where are you going to go into tech? You, you will find established paths. Um, I think that I think that matter. You know, like the, the, the key trait of a, of a change maker is being connected enough to, to to your surroundings that you can identify and, and where where is change needed, right? So so you can see where where things can be improved. And have the courage to do something about it, right? Um, that's that's what I that's what I would uh, I would define. It's essentially courage. It's essentially vision, putting vision into action. Um, you know, being being innovative, being being creative about it. Because uh, you know, nobody has. You know, if, if we had all the resources of the world, then it wouldn't really take much to to gamble, right? But change makers and, and um, they are taking a couple, right? These people like you and I, right? Like fresh out of college students and, or, or people in communities, you know, rural communities and so on, you name it. It matters for them, right? Like the decisions they make, the big trade-offs, you know, the, it is going to have a direct impact on their life. So what I'm saying is knowing that you don't have all the resources of the world, time-wise, financial, you name it, material, um, choosing to um, 
address an issue that, that you think is, uh, is, is worthwhile. Right? So that's a massive trade-off. Because again, you, know, you see the established path unfolding ahead of you. At the same time, you have the vision to see where, where an issue needs to be addressed. Right? And then having that courage to say, rather than just you know, pursue play it safe, I'm, I'm going to work on this, right? And, and, and I will be just going up the tangent a bit in terms of, 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 of career path, perhaps, right? But um, you know, I think that, that's really what it takes. And it's really an act of courage. In some ways, it's a leap of faith, but it's, it's informed, right? It's informed by um, you know, like this, this deep sense of connection that, that one has to your mind. You know what needs to change, you know what. Uh, where things can improve, right? Whether you are a climate activist, whether you are, um, for example, in fintech and so on, right? you, you know where, where, where things could be better, right? And you're going to persevere in a direction where no one else has really persevered before. Right? You're, you're attempting something new, or perhaps people have done that before, but it is still sort of going off the tangent, right? And, and that just takes a little bit. Do you think that can be taught this change making trait? I think I think one, one you can you can draw inspiration from 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 people you know, who have uh, who have uh, done this before, and uh, well, I wouldn't call it like a you know change making trait. I mean, I think the trait itself you know is, is courage, is vision, mm-hmm. is is. Uh, a sense of a self-awareness, a sense of connection, right? Because you know, you also not just need to identify what's 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 going wrong or where things can improve, but you also need to care enough to actually do something. Right? So it's really a sense of connection. There. But um, but you also need to. Um, so sorry. So so. Um, so it's, it's, it wouldn't be like a trade, a change-making trade, right? It, it, it's, 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 Multiple things, as I just said, and whether it can be turned up. Well, I think I think you can throw inspiration. You can, you can, you can, sort of uh, usher people in that direction, right? Um, you know, you, you see it all the time, right? You see, you see all the time how like inspiring figures with with um, you know story stories to tell do have an impact on on, on people, young people in particular. Um, so, you know, but it's a personal call, right? It's, it's, it's a personal call in the end. But I think, I think the, the, at least the, the resources and, and again, the, the role models and, and um, you know, towering figures out there. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you find success for yourself? Cool. <laughs> um... You know, I think the metrics uh, for success are also very personal. You know, they, they depend on, on everyone's narrative. But you know, like I was never really satisfied by the conventional definition of success. Um, you know, which is which is very uh, is linear, but it's also quite a. You know, it rests on uh, it rests on the principle of. of you know, like perennial competitiveness, right? You're always kind of trying to get an edge on the other, right? Like from, you know, if 
after getting into into the right university, right? Maybe you get like a chance to attend an elite school, and then you will compete with you know thoroughbreds, like really really good, um, capable individuals, right? To get again into what's uh, you know the, the considered the the elite circuit for early careers, right? Like let's say consulting and so on, right? So so it seems to me like that definition of of, of success is in in a way it it, it it is very easy if you just want to uh, it is not, not not let me rephrase that um, it's too simple it is <laughs> too simple in terms of making choices right because uh, you're just um, proceeding the way you're expected to proceed right um, but I I, I I find that to be uh, not enough, right? And, and not not just myself. I mean, I've come across a lot of you know, people who um, have had the you know chance to to not just get a very good education, make the most out of it, you know, join really really good firms and so on, and at some time so and, and then at some point also grow um, disenchanted, right? Uh, that there is something more that that they want to achieve and. and I've seen people making making really radical changes, right? Um, so, so I think the definition of success is really, I think, it has to be by nature really personal. Um, but I, I would, I, I don't buy the, you know, standard definition of success of, you know, having, having that career high position and so on. I mean, for some that will work, right? In again, in the context of their own narrative, I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not. I'm not a black and white person. I'm not saying like this is, you know, the, the uh, this is the right way to see things. For some, it might work. You know, for some people might derive a great deal of satisfaction out of, you know, like a high pressure environment and a high power job, and that's great. You know, for their narrative, it works. But that I think attempting to just, you know, measure everybody with one single yardstick, that's where the problem lies, right? Um, so I think. I think defining success is a personal exercise that has a deep connection to your own narrative, right? Like looking looking at, at your past, what has turned into the person you are today, right? And and what what does that what is that person seeking to accomplish, right? If, if it is a corporate world, then so be it, right? And that, that's 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 one way to go. If it's if it's a social venture, if it's a tech startup, like many many different avenues but essentially it's linked to your narrative right and, and less and less linked i think to this just kind of mainstream definition which is just that right some mainstream definition doesn't quite adapt to anyone's particular needs yeah um what would you tell your 20 year old self <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. Perhaps to be more disciplined. <laughs> uh, be more disciplined. I think um, patient, perhaps, because I think um, so. I'm 33 now, you know. And when I was 20, I was very eager, eager to 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 experience new new settings, to enter into new industries, to meet new people. Like, which is which is great. I think I think it's it's is it the right time and the right Place, so to say, but um, you know, patience is is uh, is something that's 
hard to learn, especially nowadays, because we're used to immediacy, right? Everything has to be immediate. But I would have recommended myself, you know, suggested to 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 cultivate patience and um, and perhaps a little more uh, introspection. Um, that that said, um, as that said, I, I would also have. A, I would also have told my my younger self to, um, you know, be bold at the time of exploration. So, <laughs> so yeah, all those things. Final question: mm-hmm. uh, What was your biggest lesson so far? Okay, you can be more specific. Just biggest lesson. Maybe some experience or something uh, in your work or personal life, or like this changing different environments um, shaped you who you are. Like, was kind of the biggest lesson that I don't know, made you realize something or change the course of your life in a way. Mm, I I would say I would say I drew my biggest lesson um, in the professional realm um, a few years ago when when I decided that I wanted to. Um, finance and, and, and work on something else, right, and, and to try new iteration, because a lot of that was um, driven not by, by um, impulses that were not really defined, right, it was, it was a time of a lot of um, soul searching, I was not really sure as to what it would shape up to be, but the biggest lesson for me was that, you know, there is life beyond uh, you're in an industry that you choose to, to choose to, to join. There is uh, plenty of opportunity um, in many places, and, 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 and you will find, you know, good mentors no matter where you are, and, and good connections. Um, so, so I think my biggest lesson was was really, um, in a way, trust my. Trust my my, my gut feeling when it, when. It, Told me to um, seek to seek to do something else, right, and, and seek to walk away from what seemed um, steady and, and safe and, and comfortable, right? Um, because it, it pays off. It doesn't pay off immediately, but but it pays off in terms of uh, solidifying concept of who you are, you know, so, so to oneself is extremely valuable, it's extremely edifying. Um, and, you know, by, by putting you in a situation that, you know, removes you from a context that's familiar, and, and having to do all this, you know, internal search as to, you know, what your skills are, what you're good at, and, and, and you know, where you want to go next, where do you see opportunity, how can that be linked to a positive change in what you see, be, you know, be urban farming, be social fintech, and so on. Um, that whole process uh, has been a big lesson because I don't think I would have gotten anywhere near that state of mind had I chosen to continue where I was, which again, you know, very a comfortable position. But uh, but there's more to it. Awesome! Thank you very much. <laughs>
Thank you everyone for listening. This is the Changemaker podcast, a series of interviews with people driven to create a positive impact in their communities and the world. If you like this episode, make sure to reach out. Stay positive, follow your dreams and make this world a better place.